Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to an interview today that is going to be incredible. So all of you who have been following me for a while, and especially if you've worked with me, you know that something I talk to about, I talk to my business owners about is self-care taking care of this body that we have so that you can be aligned to thrive in your business is really, really important. And it's something that most people overlook or push to the side, pretend doesn't matter. And if you are suffering in your body and you don't feel good every day, everything else suffers. So I was really psyched when on LinkedIn, I got a connection with our guest today. His name is Joseph Gonzalez and he calls himself the movement detective. And I saw that name and I was like, okay, this guy's cool. I gotta get to know more about him. So I started, I actually looked him up on LinkedIn and I went to, I think it was a YouTube video and, or maybe it was LinkedIn or YouTube, I'm not sure which one, but I started watching and I love the way that he talked about physical mechanics, body movement. He was focused directly toward entrepreneurs and the ones that I was watching. And I thought, okay, we gotta have this guy on the Next Potential Habits podcast bring some tips to all of you to help you thrive. So he's here today to talk about everything movement. Well, I don't know everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a much longer podcast. That's right. We're, we're going to be here for eight hours, everyone. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I'm psyched to have you on. Welcome to the show, Joseph. So glad to be here. Thank you for reaching out and connecting. Absolutely. Oh, super excited. Yeah, you've got a lot of great stuff out there. So first, let, let's start. Tell us, how did you get into this? field and tell us about the name Movement Detective. I love it. Thank you. Sure. So uh, I have a background in mechanical engineering from MIT. So okay. I was getting ready to go be an engineer and do, you know, building stuff. My best job offer at the time was somewhere in the Midwest for like 50K or be unemployed in New York City. So I did the financially responsible thing and I moved back to Manhattan. And for a while, I was kind of just bouncing around. I was trying to figure out my life. I worked for a startup t-shirt company, an apparel company, where I was the customer facing side. So I did customer service. Whenever an order didn't get shipped out on time, I dealt with the yelling. Did that. <laughs> it was actually, it, it got pretty successful, uh, but I, I didn't like waking up. Like I just dragged my feet every day. And it was like, I'm not being intellectually stimulated. I'm not being challenged. And as, as somebody who went to MIT, like that's really important for my health and well-being. So I left that, I found martial arts, and my second teacher told me, why don't you go be a trainer? That way you can go and train and then still you know, spend time here doing stuff. So I did that, and I was maybe 200 pounds in college, so I lost uh, 60 pounds, so I was really, really lean when I was doing martial arts. And I realized that I was always very good at people with old injuries, at helping people with old injuries. So that became my new trajectory. For seven and a half years, I did fitness. I help people lose weight, feel a little better, but I wasn't really the detective yet. I had a traumatic hip injury about four years ago. And for a year, I suffered from hip pain and insomnia. I put on 40 pounds. I was not a pleasant person to be around. And I lost about 50% of my clients because of that. So wow. things were not okay. I went to see eight practitioners, two of whom were teachers of mine. Nobody had any idea what was going on. I got imaging done. It came back negative. So there was nothing wrong with me. And I met my mentor about three and a half years ago. He assessed me in the gym where we both train out of. And he put me into a drill, got me into a position. I think the, the total took about six minutes, five concentrated breaths, according to his parameters. And then I got up, my, my 
inner thigh cramped and the pain was gone. But not only that, the walls of the room got pushed back. So it was like the room got bigger or I got smaller. So my cognition was different. It wasn't just muscles. And that's when I said, what was that? And he said, neuroscience. And I said, "Mm, can you teach me how to do that? And as a former Marine, his next exchange was a little more serious. And he said, he looked me dead in the eye and he said, well, how good do you want to be? And I was like, uh, uh, I just got cleared from like a hip pain that hadn't gone away ever. So I'm like, shut up. Don't, don't, don't tell me that. Just tell me if you can teach me. And then that was the beginning of my mentorships. So over the next three and a half years, I was his second and last student. And oh, every cool. textbook he threw my way, every piece of advice, anything he gave to me, I just kind of like took it like the gold that it was. And I just ran with it. So movement detective. I'm a personal trainer. That's my background. That's my certification, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm none of these things. So I can't diagnose. I can't apply and manipulate or release or do any physical manipulations of someone's body, right? So I had to be able to figure out how to cue things to a level that would give people the same results, right? So for me, it was like, all right, well, if you can do this just a little bit this way, or if this isn't aligned with this, and it, it, it was about figuring out what was the, the linchpin, what was the keystone that allowed people to unlock all of, this, uh, all of these blockages. And so Movement Detective came out because the other, other phrases that I used just went over people's heads. They're like, what does that mean? A motor skills coach, are you, are you work with motorcycles? I'm like, well, that's not it. <laughs> but trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. That's how branding works. And it's brilliant. I mean, it's really great. I love it. When I saw it, I I'm really into branding. And so I hadn't, I actually haven't heard your story. So I didn't know all of that was behind it. I just liked what you were doing and I could tell that you knew what you were doing and were into what you were doing. And I'm always looking for people who are very inspired by what they do and driven by that inspiration. So I knew you had a good story in there, but I didn't realize it was that good. That's incredible. (laughs) Wow. So really in, in your, you're like, no joke, six minutes, all the thing yeah. on that you um, have been experiencing. Well, I can actually, the, the video, like I can shoot you over the link for the actual drill that it was. So the drill, it's on my YouTube channel. It's a sideline one. I'm wearing a white shirt and I'm like laying on the ground. I think it's called a right sideline integration drill, whatever. And that was the drill that he cued me on. So he wow. was like, all right, move your neck this way, move your jaw this way. Your eyes are here. Your tongue is here. Like it was a whole, the whole Take night. deep breaths. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I want to, I mean, there's so many things I want to go into now because I love neuroscience, you know? So yeah. Like tell me what's a little bit, share with us the background of why that works. Sure. Okay. So there is for, for most physical therapists and chiropractors and even personal trainers, right? There's this idea that it's about biomechanics, that the structures, the bones, the muscles, they have to be organized in a certain way to be maximally efficient. Sure, yes, that's important, but it's also the least important thing of this tier of things that you have to consider. People never stop to consider or ask the question, how is movement created in the brain, right? Mm. Cerebellum has to manage posture. So we're constantly under two inputs that we have to deal with. The first is air pressure breathing. How good are you at exchanging gases? The second is gravity, posture, right? Are you in a posture that's very inefficient and you have to work harder to work against gravity or can you stack your bones, right? So the thing is that the breathing and the posture are closely related. When most people inhale, what they do is they bring their rib cage forward, either through chest breathing or belly breathing. Both are dysfunctional. 
So now when you do this, most of the weight goes to your toes. If you ever worn heels, right? Your calves get tight, your thighs get tight, your lower back is in excessive arch, so now it's compressing more. So now just by breathing, you're wearing heels neurologically. Wow. So now all of this stuff is impacted. Here's the thing. If you keep this pattern for more than, let's say, a year, right? All of us have had this pattern for more than a year. This is now hardwired. So if you curl up into a ball, which is the opposite of this extension, those erectors, this pattern, these muscles are still trying to fire even when they're in a position of rest. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I sync up the neural map and the biomechanical position so that they both are doing the same thing and I get them both to calm down. So it's about what kind of feedback, how are you experiencing your environment? How are you experiencing sensory information? So I help people create better maps. I update or reboot the GPS in your brain. Wow, so awesome. Okay, you, so you gave so many great, for everyone listening the kind of the, the backstory of podcast development is that I always ask people to give a couple of titles of what they would wanna talk about on the show. And his were the posture of fear, is self-care working against you, and why simple things are never easy. And I was like, I want to have a show on every single one of these <laughs> because I want to learn more. You know, so when you're talking about, I, I would guess somewhere in there is what you're talking about, that posture of fear. It's like mixed with your breathing, the way you're thinking about it, the higher hardwiring and how to reboot. How long would it take you to, for somebody, let's say, who's had chronic neck pain from working at their computer all day? Sure. How long would it take you to work with them on something like that? Or what, what are some strategies you can even share with the audience about sure. uh, tips that they can do to start rewiring and rebooting? Sure. So the first thing that I would love to address is that, of course, that everyone hates this answer is it depends. But let of me course. give you a little more meat <laughs> behind that. Let me not just say that to say it. Um, if you ever have experienced some level of emotional trauma, and I don't mean abuse, I mean something a little bit more, less traumatic than that, but let's say you were always a very smart kid growing up. Your parents maybe were not as educated, so they couldn't really appreciate or fathom the level of your intelligence, right? That inability to be recognized, to be validated by your parental figures, that creates micro traumas. And so now you have to learn to mitigate and relate to other people having this limited exposure to conversational, uh, conversational skill sets. Okay. So that's, that, so that's what I mean by trauma. Yes, there are greater traumas than that. But when I mean trauma in this conversation, that's kind of where I'm really talking about. Okay. And the more traumas you've had, the harder it is for you to sense your body. If you can't sense your body, no exercise is going to help you because again, it's about updating the maps. It's not about strengthening muscles. Cool. Having said that, uh, I've had people come into these workplace wellness or these uh, workshops that I do on posture. And one of the drills that I teach people to play around with is moving their shoulder blades. So any neck issue that you're going to have is going to be immensely dependent on how well you can move your shoulder blades, how well you can exhale fully, and how well your rib cage can move. What does that mean? I got you. So what most people can do is if they have a flat back on their chair, they can kind of lean their spine against it so they minimize the arch. And from here, they can have their hands up at shoulder height without letting the sternum, their breastbone move. They can try to crawl their right shoulder blade and arm forward. So you can see me reaching forward. 
And if you can feel what I call the serratus, the armpit muscles working, you're doing what you need to do. What most people tend to feel is this pec minor, the tight shoulder that everyone talks about. These two muscles are trying to do a similar job, but not really. So can you start to reach forward without using this muscle? And if you got a friend or a coworker around, you can actually have somebody just gently pull on you so you can feel what that's like without using this thing. Great, so do that with the right. See if you can calm down. You're not trying to use traps. You're just trying to use your armpit muscles, your serratus. Relax, do it on the left. And it's gonna be noticeably harder for most people to do it on the left. So you're alternating, so you do one at a time. And that's the first thing that people can try to do to feel how all of these things are interrelated. So it's not a simple, hey, just do this stretch. Yeah, yeah, it's a little more mechanics are so different. Yeah, right, right. But interesting. So you can, I mean, I know you work with people in person, but you also can teach them things online over Zoom meetings and things like that, because it's just you showing them what to do. Right. Because you're not touching their bodies anyway when you're teaching them. Nope. And it's a lot of it is actually, it's me asking questions. So I have to ask for feedback. I made a post on LinkedIn, uh, who knows how long ago, where I likened what I do to being a sniper. But what most people don't understand, unless you've seen a bunch of war movies, is that snipering is a two-man job. You have the sniper, the guy with the gun, and then you have the guy that's feeding them more intel about wind Uh, and and uh position and all this other stuff. So it's like, I can't make the shot. I can't cue you through the exercise unless you give me feedback. So yeah. it's, it's the truest sense of coaching. It's like, hey, can you feel pressure on your heel? Yes. Can you feel your hamstrings? Yes. Do you feel your calves? Yes. Wait, let's rewind that. You're not supposed to. Let's figure this out first. Yeah. So that's, that's, how I, that's how I work remotely with people. I love that. Well, and it, it's, it's so holistic. You know, it's not like the, the one pill approach, like, oh, take this and do this and everybody's fixed. It's more like, okay, how is your body working? And then I even hear in what you're saying is that it would be dependent on your micro traumas that you've experienced that are going to be unique to all of us. Yeah. And so that's fascinating. Okay. D- dig. I want to dig a little more there. So my background <laughs> research is in trauma, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, like you've said so many things and I'm like, okay, we need to, we need to have an eight hour episode for sure. Um, don't worry, everyone. We will have an eight hour episode, <laughs> but I'm thinking the posture of fear. So when you're talking about the posture of fear, you're talking about those micro traumas and how they get stored in our body. Is, is, is that related? Yes and no. So yes, as in it is a part of that, but it's not the whole picture. So we're going to look at it from two other perspectives. When you slam, like, so I did this when I was at a language exchange, I was practicing my Spanish and because I don't get to practice enough. And they said like, so what do you mean by like, by uh, patterned responses by fear? So I slammed my hand on this big oak table. I didn't prep anyone for it. And the the woman sitting next to me just... (gasps) did this thing. And I'm like, this is the fear response. When we are in fear, our global muscles of extension, so lats, spinal erectors, all of these things, they trigger to get us to be larger than we are for this like this old remnants of this predator that we're trying to evade, right? Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. Or can we sprint? Can we get out of the way by generating massive amounts of, of, uh, of forces, right? External rotation, all of these things. Great. So our initial fear response triggers vestibular, uh, our initial fear will trigger a vestibular response, which will have us go into global extension. Cool. There's another part to it that's on a chemical level. So when we breathe inefficiently, there are sensors in our lungs that communicate and tell our brain 
whether or not we're getting enough oxygen. If we're not getting enough oxygen on a chemical level, our nervous system freaks out. And it says, we're not getting what we need, so we're gonna create other patterns to get us more air. One of these patterns, which you actually referred to a minute ago with the tight neck, part of it is we're sitting down, part of it's we're, we're staring at a screen, but how people breathe, if we're gonna go back to, I believe it's Boyle's Law, right? Gases go from areas of high uh, pressure to areas of low pressure. So our diaphragm contracts. We're geeking out a little bit. I apologize. Diaphragm contracts. It pulls on the bottom of the lungs, right, down here. So the lungs can expand. So now we're creating an area of lower air pressure, right? But when we try to do this by extending our spine and moving our ribs forward, we're still not getting enough. So what, is, what happens? We start to kick in our secondary and tertiary muscles of respiration. So all these guys start firing, and what they actually do is they start to rotate the upper portion of our rib cage, creating more space to help mm. facilitate a, a, a chamber of lower air pressure. So that's why a lot of people say like, oh, I have a really tight neck, I have this, I have this. And it's like, yeah, it's because we're not getting enough air. Uh -huh. And so the body is trying to cheat and create a larger, uh, a larger rib cage. So freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, what makes what to me what is so awesome is how functional our body is in terms of trying to help us adapt the best it possibly can, yeah. which isn't always ideal, right? Yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> one area of pain is signaling something else is out of alignment. Sure. You know, so I always I always think about emotions and physical ailments as feedback systems that are telling you you're out of alignment and and it could be out of alignment in your vision and your path it could be out of alignment in your body structure which are all integrated right so it's all tied together oh so cool um okay so i, I want to you know for everyone listening i want them to be able to have some takeaways in terms of sure. practical like how could they how, is there a generalized way for people to breathe better Yes. To help them have more energy, feel better in their bodies. Um, it, yeah. So there. I would say the inhale is the hardest part because people don't understand what we mean by holding on to something. So what I do is I teach people how to exhale first. When I tell people to exhale on a remote session, so I, I'm not there, I can't tap them and tell them what to do. I say, take a timer, try to exhale for a full 17 seconds. Oh, don't, wow. Yeah. Don't, and, and I have people call me on it. So when I do workshops, I have somebody time. I'm like, yeah, you run the timer. I have this woman like touching my belly and I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to see if I can do it. And usually I can, I can manage around 15. It's not about the time. It's about what this does for you. So 17 seconds is the, is the timer. Can you constantly feel air passing through either your lips or your nose? You cannot inhale to exhale more. It's one <laughs> shot. <laughs> right? So this yeah, is a scary a, part. Yeah, 17 is long. It's yeah. a long time. So a few things are going to happen when you're able to do this. One, your sternum, your chest bone is going to approach your, your spine. Your lower ribs are going to start to rotate down and close down. You're going to start to feel your abs, but not just your abs like on the front. You're going to feel your abs. I'm going to stand up a little bit. You're going to feel your abs on the side and on the back. And that's what we really want. Because these abs are drawing back your rib cage. Remember when I said how we just push the rib cage forward? Yeah. That's what we want people to feel. And then you're going to feel some air pressure down there. So exhale long for 15 seconds. Try to do that. And then inhale however you want. But try to get yourself comfortable in exhaling. So when you have your back against a chair and you just breathe out, the exhale is pulling you into the chair. If you want to sit up against a wall and stand up against a wall 
and just flatten your spine against the wall so there's no arch in your back. Just exhale for as long as you can and feel yourself getting pulled into the wall. So that's something that everyone can work on. Okay, and tell us the benefits of doing that. Sure. So when you are able to fully exhale well, right, you are no longer relying on your spinal extensors, your arching muscles to support you in standing. Now you can pull back and the spine gets stacked up well. So most of your weight goes on your heels. You're not on your toes. You're not wearing heels anymore, right? Your hamstrings can relax because the reason people have tight hamstrings, if your rib cage goes forward, your pelvis goes into anterior tilt, okay? Hamstrings attach the bottom. So when your pelvis rotates forward, the attachment side, the connection of the hamstring gets pulled up and forward. So it's not that you have tight hamstrings, it's that your hamstrings are always getting stretched. Wow. So we're addressing all of those things just with the exit. That's fascinating. I mean, I, I, I tell my clients a lot uh, that breathing exercises are really important or just I have people set an alarm that goes off a certain period of time. You know, sometimes they'll say 90 minutes, every 90 minutes set an alarm that says, and I teach a TLC meditation. Hmm. And part of it is just the power of breathing, you know, like just taking time to breathe throughout the day can give you an, an, an huge increase in clarity, focus, a sense of well being. Yeah. Um, you know, but I never, and I talk about belly breathing and yeah. instead of, you know, chest breathing tends to, it can sure. have you become more stressed. Sure. And so, and I, but I know very little about it. I mean, you know, so much more. So it's so <laughs> awesome to have you on and think like, well, what if people stood at the door and, you know, did, did a TLC meditation and really focused on the exhale, yeah. you know, and just shifts their whole reality. I mean, but I hadn't thought about how, I don't know enough about the breathing mechanics. So sure, it's so, sure. so cool to learn. Um, oh, yeah. one more thing while they're of at the, course. while they're at the chair. Cause that's kind of like, you, you, you need a little bit of, of focus for that one. Another thing people yeah. can do is throughout the day, they can take one of their business cards. This is a Marvel Comics card, doesn't matter. You place it between your knees, right? And you just have it so that my hands are my knees and I kind of just put my legs together. Put, uh -huh. your, hand, put your feet together. And if you stay there while you're typing, you're not gonna be able to do this for too long, but you're gonna feel your inner thighs working. Mm -hmm. This is a good sign. If you want to add to this, right, what you can do is you can gently try to pull back on your heels, not so much that they move, but just enough so you can feel out hamstrings working. Uh -huh. I'm going to cramp right now, right? I can so feel it, yeah. You want hamstrings, you want inner thigh, you never want to stretch these things. You want to feel them working. And I think that's the thing. The more time you spend on your heels, the better you're going to feel. Interesting. Okay. This is, uh, there's so many, well, and for that, that's the, the how long would they want to do that for first? Let's I say. would say learn, you're not going to be able to do this for very long. Like you're, you're either going to mentally space out after about a minute and a half of doing this. You don't want to use a lot of a high threshold strategies to do this. So I don't want you to think that this is a leg curl at the gym where you're like, eh, I'm going to do this because then you're going to strain and pull something. The idea is that you are doing it just enough so you can start to feel uh, a reference in your hamstrings. Because uh -huh. what you're essentially doing is because your knees aren't flexing, you're actually doing this with the heels will actually extend your hips and will put you a little more into a posterior tilt. Okay. It's and about, so that's changing posture. Right. That's yeah. influencing a change in bony orientation. Okay. Wow. Um, something I want to know. So I have a standing desk, so I alternate between sitting and standing all day just mm -hmm. to, you know, because 
I do a lot of work at my computer between podcasting and just all the different things I do. And it has changed everything. It's been way better because I can move my desk up and down, you know, mm -hmm. to fit the, where I want my arm to rest, that kind of thing. Sure. Do you have recommendations in those ways for people? Like what is an optimal office setup? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I will say things that I don't like, and then we can go from there. Okay. So I recently had a client, she was, she came in for some lower back discomfort, cleared it up, but then it started coming back. And I was like, what the deuce? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So her office was up across the street from my gym. So I said, let me just go take a look at your workstation just for S and G. Right. And I sat down and she had one of the most ergonomic uh, chairs. She said that was available at the time. And I was like, Mm, okay so I sat down as soon as I sat down like my the back tension came in and I was like what is like I never get back tension what is this and what happened was that the chair of her the seat of her chair was this u-shape it was a pretty heavy u-shape and what happens is that our pelvis is designed to alternate so one hip goes higher one hip drops that's the way it goes this was jamming both hips up so then the sacrum was getting pissed off. The lumbar rectors were getting agitated. Like don't try to get as much of a flat uh, thing as you can. And then there are other things to consider. Like if you have an excessive lumbar support that arches you, no bueno. You don't okay. want that either. Because okay. then it contributes to the rib cage going forward. Uh, if you can get your heels on the ground throughout the day sitting, awesome. I don't like armrests because they kind of like artificially jack you up here. Yeah. So uh, find a place where you can almost rest your wrist on the table where it's not this either. Yeah. That's so you made want all something, the difference for me. Yeah. Yeah. Let things hang. Let stuff, let's let it figure it out. I would say, try to keep your screen more or less at eye level. Um, so what I do, you can't see this now, but I have four textbooks and it, the amazing Spider-Man omnibus under my laptop right now so that I can have the eye level yeah. with the camera. Nice. Good. So little things like that, like my chair is like, this is my dining room table chair so it's just uh, a regular wooden chair right cool. but it's comfortable i could stay and do like three or four back-to-back -back meetings like this yeah if you're standing the the trick is that i see a lot of people that are doing standing desks is your belt buckle and don't laugh because i see this all the time is your belt buckle in line with your toes you are way too far forward okay so for someone like that, we could try, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We can try practicing your exhale. You could try shifting your weight to your heels so that it's almost like you're sitting back and then you almost feel like you're going to fall and you have to refine equilibrium in this point. Wow. There, it makes me think about how much it, it, there is to consider in having an optimized space or an optimized body, yeah. especially, you know, for the people listening, like a lot of us are entrepreneurs who work at our desks a lot. You know, it's like a lot of the things we do are desk based in building a business, you know, like I sure. make a huge long list and I go, Oh, it, it was life altering for me to get, I have a standing desk that goes up and down. And then I have, like you're saying, I have like my screen up on this, um, I should take a picture sometime and show people, but it's like, I have dual screens, right? And the one uh -huh. that's higher, it's on a like hydraulic thing that moves up and down. And it was because I, before I had this, I had a standing desk that was like screwed to the wall uh -huh, and uh -huh. it was like two inches off. So I had, my shoulder was always in this really weird position yeah. and I mean, my neck hurt all the time. You know, it was just like constant pain. And when I got the standing desk, I was like, oh wow, that was such a simple <laughs> fix 
but it makes sense if you just start to think about your body mechanics while you're doing something all day. Do you have other recommendations in terms of things to help people, you know, with daily rituals that are helpful to even implement certain habits across the day where they move their body more? Is that important? That kind of thing. So uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs that let's say they work at home. So I recommend this for people that work at home, preferably not if they have cats, um, because you know where the dog is generally, the cats are sneaky little ninjas. So a, a thing that I tell people to do is as you're walking around, when you're in your home, try to see how you walk. And if you land heel first, and then do this kind of progression with your steps. That's not the thing. That's kind of just a prerequisite. Now, the thing to play around with is instead of focusing, like we're entrepreneurs, so we like to like focus, like where's my stuff? Where's my keys? Where's all this stuff? Where's my phone? Think of two dots at opposite ends of your field of vision and keep those in mind as you walk around. So you're going to get unfocused and you're going to move, like the room will move with you as you walk around. So if you're going to go make yourself a pot of coffee in the kitchen, get up from your desk and just focus on those two points. So you're going to blur your vision a little bit and just walk around to the coffee cup. So what this does, because you're staring at a screen all day, this kind of down regulates your inputs from your visual and vestibular system. So it gets certain muscles in the neck, in the, in the shoulder to calm down a little bit. Interesting. So even thinking about visual stimuli and the way that that affects your posture and your neck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So you said, okay, so they're going to walk, they're going to leave their desk. They're going to go into the living room or wherever. And, and they're going to walk heel to toe, focus on walking heel to toe, and then visually looking at objects that are on their periphery. Right. So you could pick above and below. You can pick left, right. You can pick at these weird oblong angles. Doesn't matter as long as they're diametrically opposed. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so that kind of recalibrates. It helps a lot. Like I've had people come in, like I had this guy in, um, where is he? Istanbul. And he had a knee issue that just would not go away. Like it was, it was starting to frustrate me a little bit. And I said, wait a minute. I had him do that and then do his regular deadlift body weight like a bodyweight deadlift and like he started shaking. And after like two or three, two or three reps of that, his knee pain went away because he, he can move, he can feel his bones, but the, the visual inputs he was getting were overriding anything he could feel in his muscles. Wow. That is just so fascinating to me. It's very <laughs> cool. Well, I, I love it. Okay. Real, let, let, let's talk a little bit self-care. So you said, is your self-care working against you? Give me a, right. a tip on what you're talking about there. Uh, give, uh, give us a tip. Boom. Sure. So the one thing I always say when I go to networking events is uh, stop stretching your hamstrings. There is never a good reason for anyone to stretch their hamstrings. The only exception would be if you're like a 13 year old gymnast and you're prepping to go get your gold medal. Like that would be because what I said before is if you're breathing in a suboptimal fashion, your pelvis is rotated forward, that hamstring is already on stretch. What happens to a rubber band if it's on stretch and you uh, keep trying to stretch it? Overstretching it. Okay. Right? That's how we get hamstring strains. So mm. people say like, is this always, is this that can't always be true, right? What if I have tied it? No, it's always true. I have yet to meet someone in the last 10 years that has legitimately tight hamstrings that need to be stretched. <laughs> Not a single person. Fascinating. Okay. Okay. That's a very simple tip to follow. Would they, would they want to stretch their quads? Uh, you can stretch your quads. I think stretching is kind of like, it's like foam rolling. It's not a terrible thing to do unless it's hamstrings or inner thigh. 
but it's not really taking care of root issues if it helps you to feel better so that you can do other things. So like if people want to do a foam roll or stretch their quads and then let's say work on their breathing in the way that I talk about, that would probably be the optimal scenario for them. If they just stretch and then that's it, they may be trying to take away some of the tension that's helping them survive the, the next day. Okay. So our bodies hold tension for a reason. Yeah. I, I think one of the key takeaways from this whole conversation for me and all the listeners, I know this has been pretty technical in a lot of ways and we're bringing some practical tips too, but I also know it's a, it's a, it's a deep conversation about the key takeaway here, which is what I think is that you're listen to your body, right? Yes. So it's this piece of getting connected with your body and listening to it and then taking steps to take care of it. Right. Absolutely. And so the movement detective Joseph is a person who helps you do that. And, you know, for anyone who's listening, for anyone who has some pain in their body, Joseph obviously sounds like someone that can really guide you in new directions with powerfully. I mean, I know people that have been in pain for years in certain areas and uh, my ex-husband actually, it was really cool. He for years had lower back pain and he was just searching. He went chiropractor. I mean, he did like everything under the sun, never went away. And then he found this $90 online book that taught him different to, to look in the mirror and look at how his body was positioned and all these little things. And then he did it all and it went away and it's never come back. And he just does the same exercises every day. $90 solved the problem after we had spent awesome. thousands of dollars. Right. <laughs> so it right. was really interesting for me to go, of course, we're all always going to be in search of what helps optimize our body. But first you've got to listen. And I think it's really important to always listen to your body as listen to your symptoms as a form of feedback. Absolutely. You know, we only know how to feel as good as we've ever felt. And so it's hard when you start to you know, have a level of pain for a certain period of time, you kind of forget what it felt like to not have the pain and you just learn to live with it. Right. And so here we're, you know, Joseph and I are like, I know we're on the same page. We're like, listen to your body, take care of it. It's, it's your vehicle. I, I, I like to say it's your vehicle that carries your light. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's gold, your body's gold and it matters. So I, yeah, I could geek out all day on what, you know, to me, it's just so fascinating to think about the neural links and the, you know, how it's, I, I like interpersonal neurobiology. And it's also like inter, when I say interpersonal, it's like your connection of your brain with yourself is mm -hmm. shaping your physical health, you know? So it's like, oh, so, so cool. I want to know from you, because you're a body mechanics guy um, and a motor skills coach, what what would you say are the top three max potential habits for you that got you where you are today? And let's focus on health and mobility. Let's say like it is, you know, what would you say for people listening? What are the top three things you can do to maximize your day through max potential habits that are focused on the physical body? Sure. Okay, cool. I would say focus on feeling that exhale as much as you can get that air out. Understand that the purpose of an exhale is to get stagnant air out of your body. Chinese medicine has the same ideology. So work on your exhale. Your inhale is determined by your exhale. So take uh -huh. care of that. Two, if you don't, uh, if you never hear from me again, try to work more on single leg or single arm activities and try to figure out the difference between doing it on the right and the left. They should never feel the same but they should approach one another. Your right should always be better than your left. If you're right, is that if you're right-handed? Doesn't matter. Oh, really? We can geek out about that later. Oh, interesting. Because <laughs> that okay. will, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. So okay, that's the and, second. And, and real quick, what would that, what does that practically mean? So when you say try to focus on, on single arm or single leg activities. So perfect, perfect question. Uh, lunge. So uh, work on your lunge on your right and on your left leg. When okay. you work on your lunge, and this is super detailed for people, you want to feel your heels, your hamstrings, and your inner thigh working. Like you want that on your lunges. It's, I know people say it's a quad. It depends how you do it. Yeah, it depends on how you do it, but you're looking for these things. Okay. Uh, when you press with your shoulder, right? When you're pressing with your shoulder, once you finish pressing, if you prevent rotation, try to get a little bit extra reach at the top. So start off with a lightweight just to feel like, hey, what can my shoulder actually do? Like experiment, go exploring. Your body is a treasure trove of unexplored experiences. <laughs> I'm okay. so glad. <laughs> and, and, and when, I love this, and when they're looking for the focus on the single activities, mm -hmm. what is the purpose for them? Like what are they, what's, uh, what's that gonna have them experience? So let's say you do lunges and you say, hey, I could feel my heel pressure on that right leg. Perfect, great, it feels strong. You go on the left and you're just setting up and you're like, I can't feel as much heel pressure. Huh. And then maybe you look at the mirror and you're like, oh, well, when I do it on the right, my right hip goes out a little bit. It's supposed to. But when I go on the left, like, I don't feel like I want to. Like, I don't trust myself to match what it looks like on the right. And because you're not matching the, the, the mechanics, what you feel is completely different. Huh. So that's something else to, to look at. It's like, oh. Well, when I do the right, it feels solid. It looks like this. Or even when it reverses, you could do something on the left and it feels great. And you're on the right, you're like, oh, why is this? This is weird. What's going on here? Like that, okay. that, that is kind of how we look at it. And that's giving them a roadmap to, that, to seek balance in the two or? Yeah, okay. to at so least close the gap. We're trying to close that oh, Okay, because I like this example because I do yoga and on, on my left side, I can like, my hip is so flexible and on my right side is super tight. You know, mm. so I notice it when I'm doing it. I'm like, wow, this is noticeably different. Right. So then in that case, would you say then I focus more on flexibility in the right and it'll start to balance out other parts of my body that are compensating? I would say, so this is where it gets a little nuanced. I would yeah. say, look at or explore a little bit of how things are supposed to go. So when we walk, we're supposed to have a hip hike. So when you're standing on the right leg, your right hip should be higher. Standing on the left, left hip should be higher. When you're balancing on one leg, are your hips trying to remain the same height? That's a big problem. So a lot of us that have an issue with knees or lower back when we do lunges or one leg deadlifts, we try to keep our hips height uh, parallel because that's what coaches tell us to do. Mm. Like this is the staple for the movement industry. Keep your hips level. Don't let your hip drop. Your hips are supposed to drop. Fascinating. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, well, it's interesting because what you're saying, like, I, I want to know more, but then I'm also like, I want listeners to be able to go, okay, well, what do I do with that information? Right. So I you can know? stand up real quick and show you what it kind of looks like. Um, you're going to see how small my apartment is. Yeah. The, well, the only thing is that they're, because the podcast wise, they're not going to be oh. able to see it. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. So I'm trying to go like, if you're listening to this right now and you're going, okay, well, I noticed there's a different uh, difference on my right and on my left. What do sure. I do about it? Then sure. that's what I want. To draw I, out of you. <laughs> so, okay, so I got it. I got it. Yeah. So as if you're just standing, like let's say you're brushing your teeth because this is simple. Both feet can stay on the ground, right? You're brushing your teeth and you want to shift your weight to the right side. You can imagine putting your phone on the outside of your heel and trying to get your hip to stand over the edge of the phone. So like your hip is going outside of that heel 
and see if you could just relax. Both feet are on the ground. You're not in danger of falling, but you're going to feel what it's like to really shift to one side and then shift over. Take your weight over back to the left and see if your left hip can go outside of the heel. So now it's kind of like your, your, your foot, your leg that you're supporting, that's supporting you is in between your hips, which have now typewritered themselves a little out. Okay. But, and then what do they do when they notice it's off? <laughs> that's where I'm right. trying to get. Ah, <laughs> I go, okay. Right. So Cause I go then, like, awesome. We go, Oh, okay. We're totally out of whack and we're out of balance. Well, now what do we do? Okay. So I'm going to use the brushing teeth example. Cause there's no weight here. Okay. Um, what you're going to ask yourself is like, what do I feel? Do you feel a lot of lower back? Do you feel a lot of quads? Do you feel your knee? So when you do that, you can kind of round your back a little bit, right? And see if you can shift your weight more on your heels and then try to typewriter yourself more. So it's like, if you feel certain muscles that are not your hamstrings, Uh, your inner thigh, you're like, ah, I feel these. Great. That means I'm using them. Damn, I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to feel these other things. So it's kind of like this experiment. So, okay. So what I, what I'm getting out of that is to, again, listen to your body, connect with it, play with it, kind of move around and start to experience how you feel in your body and, and get, and, and, and you're striving for that alignment piece where you go, Oh, I'm symmetrical on, and each side is balanced. And then if, if it's not, you notice it, you go, okay, maybe I need to, I need to talk to the movement detective. I need to go to do yoga or some sort of physical, you know, like maybe see someone to help me get in alignment. Right. Or just feedback on what, what it looks like you're doing. Okay. Okay. So it's just, you're you're gathering information for your body. Data collection. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Okay. Now, and I totally interrupted you on number two. So now what's number three? (laughs) Oh my God. Um... (laughs) So you said focus I, on the exhale, try yeah. to focus on single arm and single leg activities. Uh-huh. And then what uh, would the third be? I would say, quite honestly, go for a walk. Hmm. And I say that because you can do a lot of other things with the walk, but go for a walk and don't think of going anywhere. Um, for a lot of people that like have a lot of things on their mind, sometimes just the rhythmic movement of gait can get you to unwind and unstress. Uh, so as you're walking, you can just kind of like, don't even take any music with you. Just go. If you have access to a park, even better, just go set a timer and don't even think about it. Um, because so many times we're like, we're trying to be super, super, uh, efficient, listen to a podcast or reading an audio, uh, audio book or something. Right. But sometimes it's just, that's still adding to all of this input that we're getting. And this kind of just allows us to, you know what, let's just, let's just go and be, and it could be 10 minutes, could be 15 minutes. If you have more time, great. You know, but a lot of us don't. So take those little moments for yourself to kind of like reassess and, and check into where you are. Awesome. Uh, I so agree with that. It's so powerful to just schedule time every day to relax, even if it's for five minutes, you know, every couple hours. It's just, again, you know, everyone listening, um, at, you know, at the beginning, I talked about self-care and how powerful and important it is and how it, we've had so many deep conversations about body mechanics and all this stuff. And really the key takeaway is like, focus on your body, pay attention to it, treat it like a temple, like do what you need to do to feel good in it so that you can go where you want to go in, in life and business. You know, if you neglect it, you're going to get out of alignment. You're going to have a lot of different things going on with your right and your left side. And there's just, it, I think, I mean, of course we could go into, I'm sure you have workshops that last days or day at least, you know, it's like you could easily 
we could go really deep with all of this. And I think the key takeaway is take care of yourself, focus on, uh, notice your body and, and take care of it. Um, ah, oh, so much good stuff. Okay. So I know you have a, Oh, did you want to say something else? Go There's for it. one thing that I found <laughs> that tends to apply across the board for most of my clients. So if people have an ache or an issue or something, and this requires more investigation, but at the heart of the matter, we have a discomfort or an issue or an ache typically because there is a movement pattern that is non-painful that we are unskilled at. Mm. So it could have nothing to do with like your shoulder issue could have nothing to do with your shoulder. It could be just how you create abdominal tension underneath it in the rib cage. Yeah. It could be how well can you hinge and bend over, you know, like are you using your back or using your hips to bend over? Like these are the things that I typically find with a lot of my clients. It's, it's rarely a shoulder issue when you come yeah. into the shoulder thing. It's usually something else that doesn't hurt that you're just never good at. <laughs> Right. It's so interesting because I think about it as like we look at root causes and we go, what, what's the actual origin point is not going to be where it gets expressed, which is the same thing in business, right? <laughs> like when I'm working with people, they'll come to me and be like, I want to, you know, I want to grow my business. And it's like, oh, they've got something going on with their rooted beliefs in their, uh, their childhood money story, you know? And it's, yeah. and so it's a similar thing, you know, to, to, to detect. So the word being a detective is so powerful because it's helping people detect the places that are off. And it sounds like it's a pretty powerful fix that you can help them create. Um, where will people find you? Because I know you have all kinds of good stuff online for people to dig deeper who want to. Where Tell us where to find you. So the easiest place to find me is on my website, www.mejorstrength.com. That's M-E-J-O-R. It's Spanish for better. There's a better way to do things. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. My URL is Joseph F. Gonzalez. And Instagram, all of my, all of my social media is on my website is in the contact section. Awesome. Cool. And you have a, a ton of videos I, on YouTube, yes. correct? Yep. I think that's for the where, where I watched. Um, that is so awesome. And if people want to book a free consult with Joseph, there will be a link in the show notes. And it sounds like, so you do a 30 minute free consult mm -hmm. and help and set up some sort of plan for people if they're interested. Yep. Awesome. Okay. It's been so incredible to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And everyone, I'll be back again next week. I hope that you all have an incredible, physically incredible, <laughs> where you feel good in your body and you take care of it. I hope you have that week uh, where you max your potential to thrive so you can feel alive and create the life and business of your dreams. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Max Potential Habits Podcast. If you're liking what you've heard, it would be so incredibly awesome if you would subscribe to the channel and leave a five-star rating and a written review. This helps me help more people while we grow our NFA community so we can rock it out together. For Max Potential Habits resources, go to nfacoaching.com where you can access all of my resources. There's free ebooks, PDF checklists, a journal template, a business mindset meditation kit, and so much more. Plus, links to NFA Coaching on Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And if you're super serious about up-leveling, there's also a link to schedule a free consult to work with me in group or one-on-one -on -one coaching. 
Until next time, I hope you have a Max Potential Habits Day where you get inspired to do whatever it takes to transform into the most empowered version of yourself so you can lead a rich, thriving, kick-ass life and business.